Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom. And thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by the Orange County Startup Council, which was started and led by my friend Scott Fox. It's the best resource we have here in Orange County for all things startup. And you can find great new companies here, partners, events, and even people to help you with your company. Uh, You can just go to ocstartups.org to find more and sign up. I am really excited to have Reynolds Bish here today. He's had an illustrious career in the technology industry and mainly here in Southern California. So we'll have a lot to discuss about that uh, as we've both been around software for a long, long time. Um, Before we get to hear from him and hear about his experiences and his thoughts on the software world and innovation here and uh, in Orange County specifically, let me tell you a little bit about him and his background. So he's currently the CEO and member of the board of directors of Kofax, which is one of the largest software companies here in Orange County. And he also has people in 35 countries, which is remarkable. And they currently have about 25,000 customers as well. And he's also on his second tour with Kofax. And so we'll talk uh, a little bit about that and as well the fun world of private equity, which he has uh, been been. Uh, working with through this journey. So he's also super involved in in the community here, and I always am very appreciative of people who are extremely busy in their professional life who manage to somehow balance that out with uh, work in the community. He's on the board of Octane, um, which is where we we both serve that together, and he's also on the board of trustees at the Pegasus School in Huntington Beach, which happens to be one of the rival schools to my kids. And, in fact, I think they played each other yesterday in, <laughs> in basketball. Uh, he's also been on a bunch of – he's on and has been on a bunch of other company boards as well, uh, both public and private companies. And then before that, he uh, – before Kofax, he co-founded and was the CEO of a company in San Diego called Captiva Software. And he successfully grew and ran that for a number of years – and it was a NASDAQ-listed company, eventually even then acquired by EMC Corporation. He's been an ENY Entrepreneur of the Year. He's been a Corporate Director of the Year. Uh, and he also, like me, he is a Big Ten guy, uh, Penn State in his case, uh, and Indiana in mine. Uh, and one of the things that I really want to talk to him about today is the pace of change that he's seen now in the software industry versus earlier in his career. Uh, and... You know, I think that that is something that um, we have to continue to highlight here for folks in the community, whether that's entrepreneurs that have to be ready for that pace or investors who have to be ready for that pace. It's it's a really interesting time in the technology world. Reynolds, it's really great to have you here today. It's very much. It's my pleasure to join you today. Awesome. Well, let's get to the starting line. So let's start with your Kofax journey. I gave a little bit of a, a hint into that, but Give sort of the story of, of Kofax, you know, your current endeavor, and sort of where are you with it today? Sure. 
So uh, Koufax is actually a company that was originally founded here in Orange County. Uh, a couple of guys that had previously worked for FileNet Corporation mm-hmm. and spun out and uh, started the company actually almost 30 years ago at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And it grew quite successfully uh, and uh, eventually became a publicly listed company. Uh, continued to grow and expand internationally and was doing very well. But as things uh, progressed, it became increasingly difficult for them to continue to grow the company and develop a strategy that would allow them to continue to grow in, mm-hmm. uh, in profit. And uh, and so in the 2006-2007 period of time, they ran into some challenges. They brought a new chairman in. He thought they needed new leadership. Um, and uh, because at Captiva, Kofax had been my number one most direct day-to-day competitor, Uh, And because of the successful exit we had had there, Mm -hmm. I was at the top of their list. And uh, and I was initially reluctant uh, (laughs) because I I never thought I'd be back in the same business as I had been at Captiva. Uh, But one thing led to the other. I met with the chairman of the board, the board of directors, their largest shareholder. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing led to another. And I joined the company in November of 2007. And that was a time when it was really struggling with developing. A, uh, a, a more relevant strategic plan. Okay. So we immediately developed that and began uh, affecting an enormous amount of transformational change in that business from 2007 through uh, 2014 that completely transformed the business, uh, reignited both organic as well as acquisition-driven revenue growth, Mm -hmm. as well as significant improvements in its profitability, and also an increase in its uh, its share price and and market cap on the, uh, initially on the London Stock Exchange, which we then transitioned to NASDAQ. So, a lot of change in the business, and, and about that time, we were approached by a number of potential acquirers that led us to believe it might be an opportune time for a, a, a great exit for our shareholders. We initiated a sale process, and that led to a company called Lexmark, printer company, mm-hmm. uh, acquiring the business in May of 2015. And so that that might be one of the chapters that you were referring mm-hmm. to earlier in your mm-hmm. comments, because it was the end of a real journey that we had sure. gone through in order to uh, really improve the business's operation and its position in the marketplace. It, it's interesting, that was just the, the beginning of another chapter. And, and mm-hmm. I say that because uh, if you followed what, what then transpired, it's really quite an incredible story of unpredictable uh, you know, events that, that led to where we are today. So literally within, uh, within four months of having paid over a billion dollars to, to acquire Kofax, Lexmark publicly announced that it was going to initiate its own sale process. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, well, in October, in, arbitrage there. In maybe, October yeah. of 2015, and uh, and <clears throat> and that took everybody by absolute, you know, uh, yeah. surprise. I mean, who Absolutely. in the world would ever expected that. And of course, we supported them in that effort because mm-hmm. I and my management team were running what was then about a $700 million a year uh, company that they had asked us to, or line of business that mm-hmm. they had asked us to a, a yet again transform and improve mm-hmm. its operations and, and uh, profitability, which we had gotten busy doing immediately, sure. only to find out that they were going to sell the whole business. Mm-hmm. So that, that, uh, that was an interesting turn of events. Absolutely. And led to, in, uh, in December of 2016, Lexmark 
including the software business we were running, being acquired by a consortium of Chinese investors who, who in another unpredictable sequence of events, immediately came to me and said, uh, you know, we're happy to have you with us, but we're only interested in the hardware business, have mm -hmm. absolutely no interest whatsoever in the software business. Will you work with us to carve it out and sell it off? Mm -hmm. Which again took us by complete and utter <laughs> surprise. Uh, but so we, uh, we said, sure, we'll do that, because it presented an opportunity for us to once again become an mm -hmm. Possibly become an independent company, and that led to um, to in uh, in July of 2017, the business being acquired by a large private equity firm called Toma Bravo, which mm -hmm. is headquartered in San Francisco and focuses solely on enterprise software businesses. Mm -hmm. And so we've been a uh, Toma Bravo portfolio company since that time, about two and a half years now, and uh, have found them to be uh, incredibly uh, productive to work with. We've had a great relationship, uh, absolutely nothing of any sort of negative mm -hmm. uh, coming mm -hmm. out of that experience whatsoever. And that, that uh, may be somewhat unique because you do hear a lot of, sure. of what people refer to as horror stories in the private yes. equity world that couldn't, nothing could be more different in our case. Well, and I think, I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, they, they focus on your industry. They, they know this world and I'm, I'm sure it sounds like you have great alignment. I mean, most of the horror stories that I've heard um, which I, I agree with you, it, it, it varies widely, tends to be misalignment between management or the expectations that they had versus what, what happened. But it seems like if you look at some of your prior uh, experiences to Toma Bravo, even within COFAX, that, that uh, expectations management you could argue probably was a little bit off in some of those, right? But uh, somehow, you know, navigated through it. So I w let's talk a little bit about that because, I mean, I think what I hear from what you describe is it, it is how varied perspectives can be based on how somebody looks at something. Right. Well, so, I mean, Lexmark was yeah. interested in and they yeah. that they were going to, I mentioned, you know, as a side in arbitrage, um, but they probably believed they were going to get some increased value in the market by having COFAX as part of it. Sure. And then the buyers who looked at it from a different perspective saying, well, we don't, we think maybe we're going to unlock more value by separating yes. them, right? So, yeah. so what, what, what have you learned through that process? Well, <laughs> I learned a lot of things. I'm sure. I think I think one of them is that you uh, don't cling to preconceived notions. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Have an open mind, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, don't uh, you know, walk away from what could prove to be a very productive opportunity. Sure. And uh, and in fact, it, it was you know it was a great deal worked mm -hmm. to manage through all that. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, not only, only at the, not only at the same time were we affecting as much transformational change in Lexmark software mm -hmm. business as we had at Kofax and improving its profitability, but in parallel with that, uh, conducting not one but two different sales processes mm -hmm. that led to Toma Bravo's acquisition in 2017, mm -hmm. and uh, and. Uh, I, I can assure you that there were a variety of personalities involved in that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Lexmark itself, for example, was a very old school company that originally got into business. It was part of IBM and made the Selectric 
typewriters. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and and was spun out and uh, and had continued to do uh, conduct business in many ways the way they had 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a sort of um, completely different environment than what you typically have in a much more dynamic software business right. uh, in today's world. So that was something to cope with. And then, of course, uh, while I ended up developing an incredibly productive relationship with the Chinese buyers and a, and a very, very good working relationship with them, that was fraught with initial uncertainty and, and a lot of question marks about how that was going to go. Right, because they have they, they have entirely different cultures. They have entirely different ways of approaching decision making and managing processes and all that type of thing. So, we just I think all of us really had to open up our minds, be very uh, very flexible, be very open to listening to input and the thoughts of others, and and digesting that, and then having a, a very productive conversation about okay, given all that what's the best way forward for all of us? Sure. And that's sort of the number one guiding principle we use throughout that entire period. So a couple a couple follow-up questions to that. One, how, how many of your core team really stuck with you through all that? Because that that is not, I mean, that, that's a journey that I could imagine is not for the sure. faint of heart. Sure, sure. Well, the, you know, the really interesting thing is that if you look at the executive management team, uh, so I have I have an executive administrative assistant, and then I have eight individuals that have reported up to me, each of whom is typically responsible for one of the functional areas, mm-hmm. such as sales, marketing, uh, finance and accounting, corporate development, and so forth. Uh, interestingly enough, through that entire process, we didn't lose a single one of those individuals. That's terrible. And, and I think it speaks to the fact that we had built a very strong team that was comfortable working with one another mm-hmm. and that I went to great pains to keep informed mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, very high level of communication about what was going on and why and how we should deal with that. And, and we had a lot of collaborative conversations about that mm-hmm. uh, so that we would all remain on the same page. And so it, it, was, it was difficult. It was a lot of work. It could have been a lot worse. Now, I will tell you, however, at lower levels throughout the organization, there were increasingly high levels of attrition around sure. the company. I mean, that's, that's a, <coughs> there's a lot of, as much as you can really set a, hey, we're, we're uh, high trust, high safety type of environment, those kinds of changes. Yeah. Uh, I, I get, it. I mean, I'm amazed at even your senior level that you were able to uh, maintain that. That's that's to me is it's such a testament to your your leadership and um, you know th- that ability to get everybody to lock arms uh, and say we're we're in this together. We'll figure it out together because I think those those times of change can definitely be ones where fractures and and things can occur. So sure, that's that's really compelling. I, I think in a lot of ways, and you touched on this earlier, and I think it's a very very insightful comment. Is if you have alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, amongst the parties that are working together, it makes everything else a whole lot easier. That's right. So we're absolutely right when you said that we have perfect alignment with Toma Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unlike other uh, PE firms, 
They opened up the opportunity for all the employees of Cofax to co-invest alongside mm -hmm. them, so essentially mm -hmm. to be equity holders sure. on the same terms and conditions that Toma mm -hmm. was. That's incredible. And we had over 200 employees in the company actually take money out of their own pockets and invest it, and I think that ended up totaling somewhere around 10 to $12 million. And that drives an incredible amount of alignment, mm -hmm. not only the additional equity grants that you make on a more pervasive basis throughout the company. Uh, throughout the sales processes that we went through, when we sold to Lexmark, when we ended up selling all of Lexmark to the Chinese, when we ended up selling, you know, carving out the software business and selling it to Toma Bravo, in all cases, there were incentives put in place by the sellers, so mm -hmm. by Lexmark, uh, by the Chinese, uh, to incentivize us to focus and execute well in those endeavors. Mm -hmm. And again, as a result of that, we all tended to have alignment with one sure. another, and it made a lot of the decision-making and a lot of the difficult decisions and hard work that you had to do much easier to execute on. That's uh, incredible. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, most people probably don't go through that many transactions in their lifetime. Well, we, to do it yeah. in, in such a short period of time. Well, if you if you reflect incredible. on what I just described, we yeah. actually sold the same asset three exactly. times in two years. Yes. It's that's unheard of. It I've, I've never met anyone in my life that's done that. Yeah. And and I I you know I try not to brag about it, but I I am quite proud of having absolutely. Done that. yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> incredible. So give me give me where you are today. So 2020, uh, Toma Rob has been in for I think you said 2017. So it's been. You know, two and a half years. Two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. So, you know, w w at least some of the audience is aware, you know, I, I'm somewhat aware of private equity ideal hold times and, and things. And they they seem to extend a little bit in recent years. So there's probably not a immediate pressure on you. But it sounds like you've got a great relationship. Um, what, what's 2020, 2021 look like <laughs> for COFAX right now? Well, I think we entered 2020 in a great position, and let me tell you why. Uh, we spent much of 2019 uh, making some very, very heavy uh, investments in the company mm -hmm. in order to position it for growth on a go-forward basis. Uh, and, and certainly not the least of that is that in addition to driving our organic revenue growth, we also affected two very significant acquisitions. Mm -hmm that took the revenues of the company, and these are rough numbers, mm -hmm. uh, took the revenues of the company from roughly a little under $400 million in, um, in 2018 to, on an annualized pro forma basis, over $600 million wow. in 2019. Uh, we affected the first acquisition in February of 19, the second one in May of 19, and, and when you do that and you acquire companies of that size and scale, mm -hmm. there's an enormous amount of effort required in order to integrate them in a productive manner and, and, and minimize the amount of attrition that might mm -hmm. otherwise occur because the, the P, in software, the people you know, you can talk about okay. intellectual property and you know, you know, proprietary algorithms mm -hmm. and unique technology. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the employees in the company in order to do something with all that, yes. you're not going anywhere. Yes. Well, so, you understand the incentives well with all the things that you've been through. So, yeah. so we, so we, yeah, so we, uh, we worked. 
very, very hard through, through 2019 integrating both of those businesses. In addition to that, we made some very significant upgrades to our broader uh, sales organization. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually brought in a new head of global sales, a new head of sales for the Americas, a new head of sales in Asia Pacific, and a number of, a number of other key positions, uh, all of whom I think uh, have the prior experience necessary to help us continue to scale the business. <clears throat> and we affected a lot of other changes in terms of upgrading a lot of our internal information management systems throughout that whole period of time. So 2019 was a lot of work, uh, but I think as a result of that, we entered into 2020 in an incredibly good position to be able to uh, continue to grow and profit. That's great. Well, Reynolds, one of the reasons I started the, this show, Accelerate OC, is because you know, there are just amazing people like you here in Orange County. With, with incredible stories of entrepreneur vision and company leadership and, you know, just innovative approaches. And I really wanted to highlight that and create this platform because far too many conversations I've had in, in my time here have been people saying, ah, there's just not much going on in Orange County or I just, I, I don't know the stories. And so this was really designed to be a, a, a platform. And so I'm really, really appreciative that you've been willing to share that and you know one of the things that I'm I'm curious about because you've had a I, I highlighted some of it in the outset is you've had a really amazing career. I mean you, you mentioned you know Captiva and you know, it was a great success. Uh, what what keeps you excited to be the CEO of a software company <laughs> at this point? Because it, it's a hard. I mean you you've been through a lot in just the yeah. last four years. So what what keeps you you know what keeps you going? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I have been very fortunate throughout my career that it's it's been a continual evolution. <clears throat> Things have moved forward at a fast enough pace that mm -hmm. I have never once gotten bored mm -hmm. or uh, had nothing to do. Uh, simply, you know, execute the same kind of routines mm -hmm. on a year-after-year -year basis. Uh, things have constantly changed. Uh, new challenges have constantly emerged. The rate of pace of technology change mm -hmm. and customer requirements and what's necessary to have a happy customer, because without them, we're no one also, That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it has just accelerated at an incredibly fast rate over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that combined with, you know, all of the change that we've gone through at Cofax has made it impossible to get bored. Absolutely. And has made every day really uh, challenging and exciting. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh if you are that, you know, energized by that change, uh, uh, because it, it's probably a personality thing. Right? I mean, there's some some people crave that routine, <laughs> and I feel like the the risk today of that is that it's hard. Routine is hard. Yeah. In the world that we are now in, so it seems like you're well well adjusted or just naturally uh, inclined for the world we're in because the the rate of change. I mean, you know, I've seen evidence that. That we as humans can't even adapt now at the rate that the change is happening around us, which you know whether the long-term effects of that are well understood or not is still uh, that's, still probably that's an unclear, open question. But yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that, well, I've I've certainly uh, I think I am somewhat inclined and thrive on that. But I'll tell you, there have been times when I wake up in the morning and say, "Uh oh, what do I do now?" Sure. <laughs> so, any any particular things that you do to try to keep yourself sharp to try to keep you keep up with with that 
Re- well, there's there's a number of organizations that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Octane, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, CEO uh, Alliance here mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's recently been started mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. I'm also very active in something called the Enterprise Software CEO Roundtable, mm-hmm. which is composed of about 75 of the CEOs of the largest software companies mm-hmm. in the United States, and we meet uh, twice a year mm-hmm. and have uh, you know uh, for a couple days each time and have a great slate of presenters, very relevant information. I think all that helps me stay current in mm-hmm. the industry, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, not only on a national and international basis, but also here in Orange County. Uh, personally, I, uh, you know, I, it's going to sound strange given everything we've just talked about, but I am a, also a firm believer in work-life balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that may be hard to believe, mm-hmm. but it's true. Well, I think Orange County has, <laughs> and I've talked with some other guests about this, I think we have a unique perspective on that here Partly because of, I mean, look at where we live. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, there's probably a stronger draw to be outside and to to find more of that balance here well, than and maybe elsewhere. And and just look out the window; it's a blue right. sky, right? Exactly. We're not looking at gray skies That's and right. snow or sleet or rain or anything like that. So that can also be a big motivator to people because That's you right. have a better disposition about everything that you do. That's right. The, the other thing I've tried to do is, though, is, is maintain a work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as you uh, mentioned earlier, I have two young daughters that uh, go to Pegasus, mm-hmm. and I'm very involved in the school, also very involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, that keeps me on my toes as, as a parent. You know that. Uh, and in addition to that, I make sure that I take time out of my schedule to be able to exercise on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I have a personal trainer three days a week, and That's then on great. three other days, I do my own cardio on my own. Mm-hmm. And you put all that together, uh, I seem to be able to maintain my edge. Yeah, that's uh, clearly clear. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, Kofax now has you know, been uh, at least somewhat standalone with your private equity partner for the last two and a half years, as you mentioned. How would you describe? Some, I'm guessing there's been some adjustment to culture and other things through those uh, through the journey. But how how would you describe the current culture? of of Kofax. Yeah, I, I would say that the culture of Kofax hasn't changed much okay. uh, since 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 I initially transformed it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that when I joined the company back in 2007, it was a little more of a laissez-faire sort of environment mm-hmm. where employees were more concerned about their their personal needs and wants mm-hmm. and desires and performance as opposed to the companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, over time, transformed that into what I would call a more performance-oriented culture, where we were increasingly focused on the performance of the company, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we have a duty to provide value to our shareholders. Mm-hmm. And also because if we do that, everything else will fall into place and everyone's going to benefit and profit from it. Mm-hmm. So, But that's a, that's a very significant change in the way of thinking and it also requires a focus on the company's performance and, and in a very open and transparent manner communicating that to the employee base on a regular basis, which mm-hmm. we go to great ends to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, uh, that people have come to appreciate that, particularly the level of honesty and transparency, not only about some of our successes, but also some of the challenges that we've had to work through. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that performance-oriented culture is a little different than you'll find in a lot of other software companies. A lot of software companies have a great vision of we're going to change the world, sure. uh, and, and we have one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to help our customers work like tomorrow, today, mm-hmm. help them realize their 
their desire to digitally transform their mm -hmm. businesses. And certainly that's a big part of our positioning and messaging and our belief system. But at the end of the day, we also got to focus on performing for our shareholders. Sure. That's, that's great. So, so along those lines of culture, how, how are you making COFAX exciting and relevant, at least in their perception, to the younger engineer uh, or a potential employee coming out of school or, or in that early part of their career that are looking for mm -hmm. exciting opportunities? Well, that's, that's a big challenge because, as you mentioned earlier, we're a global company. Yes. We have about 2,500 employees in over 35 countries Amazing. around the world, and particularly some of the functions such as uh, the sales organization and also the R&D organization is highly distributed around mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. So you, you, um, you, you have to, I think, set you have to engage with each employee one-on-one -on -one through their supervisors and managers and you have to work with them to develop a work plan and a career plan mm -hmm. and and uh, meet with them on a regular basis to coach them in realizing that. And I think if you do that, uh, you can actually create a culture where there is upward mobility, where the employees feel as if they're relevant and involved and cared for, mm -hmm. and also then create a series of what you might what you might consider to be more more socially oriented uh, activities mm -hmm. in order to bring them together uh, and interact with one another. So whether it's like an ice cream social on a Friday afternoon, sure. or whether it's pizza and beer on a Friday afternoon. Or whether here in Orange County, for example, we on a global basis, we do a number of charitable events where mm -hmm. we pull employees mm -hmm. together. And here in Orange County, we work with Habitat for Humanity yes. and actually build a house every year. That's great. So activities like I think are, are very important and uh, very successful in getting employee engagement and satisfaction. That's great. Well, let's. Uh, you talked about Orange County and some of the, the work that you do here. So drawing from the fact that you have people all over the world... How do you think about Orange County as a business community relative to other places where maybe Kofax has offices or you have people or even other places from your prior careers? Yeah. Well, the, it would be unfair to say that every, all of our employees would like to move here, but a lot of them would. Sure. sure. <laughs> because when they come to visit Orange County, they uh, you know, they see an, an environment that in many ways is, is unique mm -hmm. and very enticing and, uh, and, and a place where they all want to live. You know, we have great weather. Yes. Uh, we have great schools. Uh, we have a lot of things to do. We have the beaches, the mountains, uh, Disneyland's not very farms, uh, you know, a whole host of things here in mm -hmm. Southern California. So it's a great place to live. And I think that tends to attract a lot of potential employees and keep mm -hmm. current employees here. Uh, and also presents a lot of opportunities for continued economic growth in Orange County. And as you well know, Octane and organizations like the uh, CEO Leadership Alliance are very focused on perpetuating that for the benefit, not, yes. not only more companies, more startups, more economic development, but also keeping up with the pace of infrastructure development necessary to support that. Yeah, I, I, that's a great, great point and a good transition to sort of the the next question i wanted to, to get into which is we you know I, I think part of the the feedback i've gotten from a lot of the folks on the show i mean beyond the appreciation of just folks like you taking the time to come on and share their stories is this desire to to feel more of a sense of connection 
And uh, you know, the CEO Leadership Alliance is is something that has given me great hope over the last couple of years because we're now seeing amazing leaders like you and others here coming together to to say we recognize that we aren't keeping up with other parts of the world or other parts of the country from a job creation standpoint on the right kinds of jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. This is you know this is an amazing place to live. Not surprisingly, it's also very expensive. Mm-hmm. Which you could argue is a, is a supply and demand uh, issue, but on the supply side, we're we're lacking in a lot of those innovation jobs. And so, as you think about the the key things that you feel like we should be doing as a community to spur more of that, uh, whether it's investment or formation, uh, I think it's difficult probably for us to attract companies here. Uh, what what do you feel like we can be doing as a community? I've got a, a lot of people very excited and engaged, ready to roll up their sleeves and help. What what do you think we should be doing? Well, I, I would say two things. Number one is that there are a number of organizations, as you well know, yes. and we've talked about some of them, uh, all of whom seem to be focused on um, on helping grow the the uh, economic mm-hmm. development opportunities here in Orange County. And I sometimes worry that there are too many, and it dilutes the mm-hmm. overall message. Sure. So from my perspective, I think we would all might be better served if we could bring some of those organizations into closer collaboration yes. with one another in order to provide um, more of a unified strategy and voice mm-hmm. in the community and mm-hmm. a consistent positioning and messaging. Because we have a lot to talk yes. about, a lot of good things to talk about and to offer. Mm-hmm. I think secondly is, is you're absolutely right, it's tough to attract uh, companies here. You know, it's not like Silicon Valley where you have a huge, um, you know, uh, population of venture capital investors, mm-hmm. and and they may find companies in Orange County and say, well, we'll fund you, but we want you to relocate to the Bay Area. Oh, it right? happens. Yeah. So, or, so, or they find you like your private equity firm and allow you to stay, but the capital's from outside the area. Exactly. And so I think the second thing that I would tend to focus on would be we need to provide the sort of funding infrastructure here in Orange County to help startups get into business mm-hmm. and to grow their business and to fund their business staying here. Yes. As opposed to having to relocate to someplace like the Bay Area in order to realize their ambitions. And there's a long history of companies that have been started here and relocated to the Bay Area for those reasons we just talked about. CrowdStrike's a great example. That's right. right? Silence, which was in the same space, cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Silence stayed here, Mm -hmm. but then eventually got acquired by BlackBerry, and BlackBerry, I think, is headquartered somewhere in Canada, Canada, right? That's right. And so the whole, you know, the whole center of the silence mentality is now coming out of thousands of miles away. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to focus on how can we develop more uh, venture capital uh, uh, resources in order to fund not just the initial startups, but also as they grow and to retain them here in Orange County, because I think at the end of the day, that's the number one thing we can do to drive the sort of economic development that we deserve. Yeah, I I could not agree more. So sort of quick follow-up question to that. How how do you think about, as I look at, let's say the last 10 years, the, the increase in wealth, I haven't seen actual numbers, but I just go on sort of my gut. The increase in wealth in the Orange County community, I would say, has is, is been significant. 
I would agree with that, yes. On, a, on the whole. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think you, the data definitely shows that we've not seen increased investment in these early stage, mm-hmm. particularly innovation or technology mm-hmm. type companies from the capital here. So how how do you think about it, you know, your, your or other, we'll call it non-tech, we've, we've both been around technology a long time. Our level of comfort with that is a lot higher than most. How, how do, you, do you get them somewhat comfortable with making investments? Because the jobs are going to come from that. We, we don't have a lot of real estate development opportunities still left here at this stage. So how do we get them comfortable with investing in, in these areas, in your mind? Well, I think we have we have some limited level of uh, investing infrastructure here in Orange County today, and there's some new uh, funding sources that are being started up, as you know, by Octane and also by um, the uh, CEO Leadership Alliance. Uh, I think those will be, will be a good initial step forward, but I think they and we need to reach out to the larger funding sources that are located in places like San Francisco, Boston, and New York. And explain to them that we have the opportunities here, Mm -hmm. and we want to work with them to get them more involved in the community. But we want to do that in such a way that allows them to continue to stay and grow in our local environment. Yeah, I think that's a great... uh, And that's that's easier easier said than done. Yes, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, Reynolds, I'd love to continue this conversation. We'll, uh, it, maybe we'll have to schedule a part two if I can uh, get on your busy schedule. But Paul's giving me the uh, time sign over here. So final lap. Uh, one of the things I always like to end the show with is to let uh, let the guest share a piece of advice or a key lesson that they'd like to leave with the audience. So as you think about, there, there is a software community here in Orange County. I'm, I'm in it. Um, you're in it. What, what piece of advice or key lesson would you love to, to leave with that audience? Well, I, I, you know, my advice to people is that uh, the, the, none of this that we do is rocket science, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no magic to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe it requires a number of things. I think you, you have to have a vision that you believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to commit yourself to that. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have a certain level of intelligence in order to execute properly to realize that vision. But I also think you need a whole lot lot of purpose because nothing mm-hmm. ever happens as fast as people think or would mm-hmm. like it to mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a lot longer and a lot more work and i think you also got to have a little bit of luck along the way fortunate enough to experience that in my career and that's the advice i would give other people well that's that's great i think just a, an amazingly you know a, an amazingly enlightened perspective that um, it, it's a combination of those things, right? I mean, it, the, the hard work often leads to luck. Amazing how that. So <laughs> I, I doubt that uh, it's just been luck, but you know, I can tell from all the uh, endeavors you've been through just in the last few years. All anytime there's a transaction involved, it, I've been in the middle of them. It's it's a tremendous amount of work. So um, I'm confident the luck has come from uh, that hard work as much as anything. So Reynolds, thank you so much for joining me here today on Accelerate OC and taking us on the, the ride uh, uh, and sharing that uh, COFAX journey as well as some of the other experiences that you've had. Uh, and, and thanks for your, you know, what I'd characterize as outsized involvement here in the community. You're, you've got your fingers in a lot of, of places outside of your business, and I commend you and uh, want to say, you know, how grateful I am that we have leaders like you in our community who, who commit themselves and, and their time to a whole bunch of 
different things. You, you make a huge impact here, uh, and you are definitely doing your part to accelerate OC. Well, thank you for your kind comments and, uh, and having me here today. I enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, thanks. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's accelerate OC together.